0: Thanks to the wonderful folks at Anchor.fm. Coming to you almost live from our studios in New York, this is Tom Reads Your Story. Join voice actor Tom Zania as he reads from social media, articles, and other spoken word projects. And now, here's your host, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Zania. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. We'll have your words from social media and much more right after this. The afterlife is not at all what Jack Duffy had expected. A failed suicide attempt launches him into a world that tests his abilities. In this world, he learns more about himself after a lifetime of horrific decisions. The Borrowed soul, written by Paul B. Kohler and narrated by Tom Zania. Listen to this incredible book by visiting audible.com. And we are back. We have some, four actually, some very good Facebook posts for you today. Um, one, uh, about C-span, something I haven't watched in years, and I don't think that many people do either, but uh, this is about uh, C-span and and uh, the 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 minutiae of what uh, C-span is like. that's from Buck. Uh, the next one is from Shannon. well wait hold on one second. let me make sure I got this in the right order and
1: uh
0: okay c-span is first the next one is called grandma's piano and this is from rodney my very good friend who has contributed several times uh, in the past and that is about the piano that usually is in an old apartment and it's many times your grandmother's uh or or um, an older relative and uh, it's just about uh, how nice those things really are but how much of a hassle they can be to remove (laughs) and uh, i think you'll like that one very much Uh, that's one of our uh, posts today with music and uh, another one is from an author named uh, Bill Solden, who I narrated a wonderful book called In Just the Right Light. And he is talking about the, I guess it's a two-year anniversary and uh, the anniversary of his book and how pleased he is with the reaction. And he should be because it's a very good book. Uh, and he writes a little bit there. Uh, the next one is called "Final Requests." This is from someone I knew from many years ago, named Shannon. She was the do- she is the daughter of uh, two a husband and wife production team at the Thunder Bay Theater who ran the theater very successfully. For many years, um, Shannon's mom is not well, and she is in her final days uh, with cancer. I'm not sure what kind of cancer, but obviously she's very sick. And it's a posting about that and about her experience taking care of her mom. Uh, That is also one with music. And another one, if I'm getting this right, oh, from our, uh, we will have two things from our uh, uh, wonderful whatever's department that are not Facebook posts. One is an article and one is some music. Um, So I think you'll very much enjoy today's podcast. Uh, First of all, let's start things out with uh, C-SPAN. C-SPAN by buck. I still say that C-SPAN rates right up there with YouTube for entertainment value. Well, maybe Matt's off-road recovery videos are a little more intense, but you can't beat a good House of Representatives vote count for sheer excitement. Of course, it helps to care about the outcome enough to endure the grass-growing pace of it. This afternoon, after watching Matt and the boys pull a few vehicles out of mountainside predicaments, I switched over to C-SPAN to see what Congress was up to. Kidding aside, it's a good way to observe how that part of government works without the play-by-play of commercial media. You watch through the camera as business is conducted, much as it has been for 232 years. Today, they were working on House Resolution 147, a combined bill to include LGBTQ Americans in the Civil Rights Act and protect certain public lands from exploitation. Don't know why those two worthy causes wound up in the same legislation, but there it was. When the voting got going, the results displayed on screen, the nays jumped out to a substantial lead. but. Little by little, the yeas came on, closing the gap slowly, falling back, gaining again, until finally the decision was 218 in favor, 208 opposed. Except for the absence of wigs and waistcoats and the fact that the votes were cast electronically and the camera, it probably didn't differ much from 1789. All of the votes in favor were cast by Democrats, All of those opposed were Republicans. Grandma's Piano by Rodney. You know, when I was a kid, they told the story that my grandmother once had a piano and when they decided to get rid of it, they couldn't get it through the door. The piano had a built-in victrola, and evidently, my grandfather had built new doors after installing the piano. The men laughed about having to use saws and axes to break it into pieces and get it out of the house, making room for some such thing or other. I remember, even as a child, this story made me sad. Musical instruments have always seemed real and precious to me, like... Something living. It's sad to destroy one. Except bagpipes. Bagpipes should all be killed. Piano, New York, by Julia Kasdorf. Anywhere, like Idaho, women like our aunts would save quarters in cups or sell pies to buy one like this. They'd put it in a parlor for hymns and rub it with lemon oil each week. But here, an old piano comes with the apartment, and no one will pay movers to hoist the beast out the window on ropes. We think we've no choice but to saw its side that shines like the side of a horse. We save the real ivory keys and shopping bags and yank out the rack of purple felt mallets. Behind it all is a harp, tall as the whole piano and sprayed with gold. When wing nuts are loosened, the strings twang, then hang slack. We stop for a moment, then rasp through its frame with hacksaws and drag the thing piece by piece down three flights of stairs to the street, where people walking by recognize, just from its insides, a piano. Just the Right Light by Bill. So it's this little feller's second birthday today. Officially a toddler. I'm talking about my book called In Just the Right Light. It ain't won any awards or anything, but those who have read it seem to really dig it. Reviews have screeched to a halt at 26, but those 26 are all pretty damn good. If... You're swayed one way or another by that sort of thing. It's had a good run for an indie, and I get periodic notifications that new folks are reading and enjoying it. That makes me happy. One person even said it's among the few books they've reread, which is a huge compliment. Writing something worthy of a reread is always one of my goals. And since my new book won't be out till May, May 7th to be exact, I figured I'd plug this one again. Thanks to those who have given it some of your time. Cheers. Final Requests by Shannon. My mama has asked those closest to her to have all of her children come home to be with her At the same time, the nurses are saying that if we would like to be able to enjoy some conversations with her that are still good, albeit a bit fragmented, that we should come home soon. So my brothers and I are scrambling to piece together plans and schedules and children jobs to make it happen. While our mama is still getting around and seemingly happy and not in a ton of pain... Her cognitive decline is steadily increasing. Soon she won't remember much at all. I have thought about that a lot lately. She has always been a fan of Kavorkian, believing that human beings should have the right to end their lives when they wish, to end their own measure of suffering when they choose to. She would tell us, if I ever start to lose my mind, I'm ending it." What I have always felt working with Alzheimer's and dementia patients is that there was a beautiful gift in the disease. The gift of not really knowing that you have lost your mind. A sort of blissful unawareness of it all, in some cases I know. There was a short time frame when she would catch herself forgetting or saying something that didn't quite make sense. But very quickly, it turned into not really noticing much of it at all. What I have come to feel lately is that the beauty of that is really to make life softer for those around her. It's easier to see her not struggling and not feeling badly about losing control of her own body and mind in her life. But is this what she would want? Would she want everyone caring for her? Like she watched everyone do for her own father? Probably not. But here we are. Loving her and caring for her the best we can. With our whole hearts. She would be so proud of how her children are agreeing to come together. I'm not sure she will remember all the struggles over the decades. Maybe another gift. Maybe she will just be so content and happy to see our faces in front of her, enjoying her favorite chocolate or indulging in the lobster she keeps asking for. Cancer certainly didn't strip this old Italian of her appetite or her love for good food. No one who knows her will be surprised by that. That's Ginny Lee's big middle finger to Cancer. Yeah, fuck you, Cancer. Shockingly enough to all of us, she also requested to have a cat. The woman that didn't want a house pet for most of our childhoods, despite our begging, LOL. She asked Dana to get a cat at the Humane Society, but not a fat cat, LOL. Apparently she has a vision of what she wants. Dana finally finds the perfect cat, a 13 year old girl desperately needing a home. Dare I say forever home? I mean, she is 13, and her new owner doesn't even remember she asked for a cat. The cat is gray, which is good, because Virginia also has stated she doesn't want a black cat. Ha! Poor Dana. She lovingly names it Moira Rose after falling in love with Schitt's Creek. Much to her husband's dismay, lol. The cat is a lover. She sleeps in my mom's bed with her. She lays with her on the couch. My mama leaves her dishes of food and water all over the house. She is perfect for our sweet mama. Although, being quite a fat cat, because my mama seems to have forgotten that she doesn't like fat cats at all. And that's just so beautiful to me. And of course, that music marks the beginning of our wonderful whatever's department. Today, we have a nice article from, I think it's called Latin Live. It's a magazine, an online magazine. And this article is, you might think it's a little familiar article, but it's its one of those stories where someone is brought up poor and moves somewhere and after years of struggle, becomes something successful. And there's nothing wrong with those. Um, I guess this is one of those if you want to look at it that way. It's about a woman who grew up in Columbia and made her way to Miami with very little money in her pocket, went to college, and now works for NASA. And that's a very good story. And after that, It's basically a song that I think you've heard. And uh, it sort of wraps up uh, that story really well. And uh, here it is. From cleaning lady to director for NASA, this Latina immigrant just put a rover on Mars. By O Delgado, from Latin Live. When NASA's Perseverance rover landed on Mars last week, a Latina immigrant was at the helm. I was born and raised in Colombia, says Diana Truillo. There was a lot of violence going on in my country, so for me, looking up at the sky and looking at the stars was my safe place, continues the trailblazing NASA flight director, one of few Latinas in the field and even fewer to hold the title. It took the Perseverance rover seven months to reach Mars. Diana's journey is 30 years in the making. Diana was raised in a family that, like many others across Latin America, believed a woman's place was in the home, taking care of her husband. Diana's mother dropped out of medical school when she met Diana's father. When they divorced, Diana and her mother were left with nothing. We didn't even have food. We'd boil an egg and we'd cut it in half, and that was our lunch that day. I remember just laying down on the grass and looking at the sky and thinking, something has to be out there that's better than this. So, when Diana was 17, she set out to find it. Diana landed in Miami with just $300 in her pocket. She didn't speak any English, but she was tenacious, and she had something to prove. As a little girl, I saw the women in my family give up a lot. It gave me the tenacity that I needed to say, I'm not going to give up on my dream. I want to be out there looking back in, showing my family that women have value, that women matter. She took any job she could get, working nights, housekeeping, cleaning bathrooms, to put herself through community college. I saw everything coming my way, as an opportunity. I didn't see it as, I can't believe I'm doing this job at night, or I can't believe that I'm cleaning a bathroom right now. It was just more like, I'm glad that I have a job and I can buy food and have a house to sleep. And so I think that all of those things make me, and even today, helps me see differently. Eventually Diana transferred to the University of Florida where she majored in aerospace engineering. She remembers standing in the long line to declare her major, noticing that she was one of very few Latinos, and even fewer women, and thinking to herself, you shouldn't be here. Why are you here? And she's been one of few ever since. Latinos represent only 8% of those working in STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Latinas, just 2%. But when Diana walks into NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, where she is a flight director for NASA's Perseverance Mars Rover, she knows that she doesn't walk alone. I'm walking in there, and every single thing that I do, I'm representing my country, my culture, my heritage, my people, and I have to give my best every single time. And she has gladly shouldered that responsibility believing that the way to increase the representation of Latinos and Latinas in STEM fields is through role models. The more hers there are, the more engineers and scientists that are Latin are out there, the more chances we have for those kids to have la chispa, where they say, I want to be that. Which is why, last Thursday, Diana hosted Juntos Perseveramos. Together, We persevere. NASA's first ever Spanish-language broadcast for a planetary landing. It has been viewed over 2.5 million times. The abuelas, the moms or dads, the uncles, los primos, like everyone, has to see this, she said. And they have to see a woman in there, too, so that they can turn around to the younger generation and say she can do it. You can do it. What's next for Diana? Space, she hopes. Something has to be out there that's better than this. Some other species that treats themselves better or values people better. Diana helped design the rover's robotic arm, which will collect rock samples to be analyzed. Samples which may help determine whether there is life on other planets. Understanding if we're alone in the universe is the ultimate question, she says. I hope that within one year, of surface operations on Mars? We can answer that question, and a Latina immigrant will have helped make it possible.
1: I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the brightness of day, the darkness of night. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Colors of the rainbow So dizzy in the sky Are also on the faces Of people going by I see friends shaking hands Saying, how do you do? They're really saying I love you I hear babies cry I watch them grow They'll learn much more Than I'll ever know And I think to myself What a wonderful I think to myself, what a wonderful world.
0: You know, uh, listening to that article, it just reminds me just how far we've come since nineteen sixty nine when we when apollo 11 went to the moon and after a while since there were several other moon missions after that it just was sort of overkill and now we're thinking of going back you know and i think of this this woman and what she's accomplished and it's still great even though we've sent Even though we've sent several rovers to Mars in the past years, it's still great to hear what she's accomplished. And uh, that doesn't seem to fade. So I'm glad uh, if you really like that one too. Okay. And that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Tom Reads Your Story. If you enjoyed your visit today, please tell your friends. Uh, because we're always looking for new ones. Be sure to email me at Story at yahoo.com. If you have questions or comments about the show, as always, thanks Anchor.fm for this opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. Until next time, stay safe, everyone. Bye now. For more information on Tom's availability for your e-learning commercial or audiobook project visit his website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com we hope you visit us again soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story